Baldur's Gate 3, game of the year. Yes, I still stand by that. Jack, do you recall our bet? How much what was it? Five dollars. Stand by that. Like you stand. You stand by. You stand by the obvious choice. Oh, you're brave. I stand by the fact that I called it. Like so. Early. I'm just bitter because I'm gonna have to give you money. Yeah. What was that bet? Was it five to one? Uh, five to one. <laughs> no. You, two to one. Two to one. Okay. Five, five to wins. You get ten of Boulder's Gate three wins. Okay. And our side bet. Um, you gave me the same odds for uh, Starfield slash Final Fantasy 16. Neither <laughs> of them made it. So uh, so that's off the table. Welcome, guys, gals, and all non-binary pals. This is Couch Co-op, a video game podcast. Uh, my name's Jack. I'm joined by Matt and Dave. And today I am hosting because I have the very honorable, I'll bet, pathetic title of aggregator for this podcast. And so uh, we're kind of doing a follow-up this week. Um, I think about six weeks ago, we did a pod where we discussed all of our predictions for the Game Awards. And today, the um, they released their nominations for all video games. And I kind of wanted to follow up and just kind of touch base on our thoughts on what they picked, poke a little fun at all of us for all of our wildly outlandish guesses that failed miserably. And um, yeah, I mean, in the six weeks that that um, that basically we've been waiting, there's been Alan Wake 2, Super Mario Wonder, Spider-Man 2. I'm throwing in Talos Principle 2 for my own narcissistic reasons. Uh, but a lot of really good games have come out. And so some of our, some of our early predictions are are definitely a little outdated before we jump into that. However, um, the one gamer that we have on this pod that refuses to pay money for, for any, any new release is our typical host, Matt. And he's actually played some cool stuff. And um, therefore I wanted to hear before we jump into our main topic, I really wanted to hear, what he has been playing outside of all the um, all the hype. Matt, can you start us off this week? I actually appreciate that introduction because it makes me sound like some like hipster, like actual like connoisseur of video games as opposed to just a total cheap ass who doesn't have a shared account with you boys, so you can play multiple AAA titles for half the price. Um, you know, I've been listening. Don't tell him out loud. <laughs> I've been playing through um, a number of titles that actually, for a wide variety of reasons, stood out. Um, Tales of Iron was one that I picked up um, just r- around the last time we got together. And even though it's, you know, in that Metroidvania sense, like, you know, it's trying to be a Hollow Knight clone. And, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, despite, you know, my my issues at times with hollow Knight, like it's a superior game in every sense of the word. However, the thing I like about this title is it does have just enough of the dark souls essence when it comes to the combat to keep it refreshing. In fact, I actually like the boss fights better than I did hollow Knight. The exploration is a lot more boring, but the setting is really like stood out to me just because I grew up with those Brian Jack's novels of, you know, Redwall series and what have you. And and 
I'm not into the Lord of the Rings thing, but I am a super nerd for the Red Wall series. And, you know, that, that was my thing growing up. And so playing a game with that, that setting was just pretty cool. And quite frankly, it was a very amusing little title. Um, pretty short, um, enjoyed going through it. Uh, I give it a solid 8.5. And honestly, it's actually probably going to get relatively high on my list of games I enjoyed playing the most throughout the year. Um, after finishing up that one, I had a brief detour playing uh, Aliens Fireteam Elite, uh, which was a title my brother bestowed to me because it's actually a cross-platform title. So it's um, he can play with me. He's a PC gamer. So uh, we fired that one up. It's dumb as all get out, but in all the best ways. Like it's one of those that just brings you back to being a kid and just like playing through Contra or any sort of run and gun bullet hell type of game and just... Um, but it was kind of, you know, a marvel at the same time to like realize like how far games have come since back when I used to play games with my brother all the time and fantasize about playing like an aliens title that do, does justice to the space marine concepts. And, um, like I said, very dumb, very straightforward action, but really, really fun. Do you think me and Dave would like jumping on this? Absolutely. At least for one day. And by the way, it's a three player title. So uh, if you can find it for cheap, uh, we should all hit it up. Oh, you know, I hate to um, really burst that connoisseur bubble of yours, but it it actually got released for free (laughs) this month. (laughs) The Fireteam Elite or Isolation? Because I know Isolation. No, no, Fireteam Elite. Yeah. Well, even better. So if it's free, then we there's no excuse for us. This is great. I can see the sweat beeps popping on your head as you realize you have the game with us. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Cool. I'm excited because that that's um, I I was kind of like when I saw you on there, I was like, damn. I wonder if the three of us could jump on, even if it's just for a night. Um, I wanted to to ask you a follow up about your experience with Tales of Iron. That's awesome. I mean, for a game that you can just jump off. I personally, I've been avoiding like any, anything in that genre in preparation for Silk Song, which is going to come out any day now, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, you've played Hollow Knight, uh, Tales of Iron and Blasphemous all in the last, all this year, I believe. Is this like one of your, like your new favorite genres or is this just like a coincidence that you keep on picking up these, these kind of, uh, modern day Metroidvanias? Um, I'm going to appreciate it more because that was a genre when I first was introduced to them way back in the Metroid era. Um, I hated them because they weren't oh. very, it was so easy to get lost. It was so easy to get trapped. And, and now like with gameplay mechanics improving so much over time and like better mapping, better, like incentives that they provide you, like, you know, in terms of like, for instance, like blasphemous, like, having the ability to warp to different locations to kind of speed up some of that kind of recovery process. Um, Little things like that, like make it a much more inviting genre all of a sudden for me. Um, So I'm beginning to appreciate it much more. And it doesn't hurt the fact that like so many of them are really highly heralded, even if, you know, a title like Blasphemous isn't, you know, a 10 star game, but it did get a sequel and, you know, it is, does have you know a cult following to it and i would say is a solid you know seven to eight range game that you know doesn't require the whole triple a like immersion process which is another thing i kind of like about it too 
Um, maybe it's from getting spoiled on all the from soft, like minimal storyline, just kind of go into the action flow, which really lends itself to those kind of exploration titles. The, um, what, one of the things I always kind of find in those games is some really cool boss fights. Does the, does the combat kind of hold up on those? Are, are there any like dark horse contenders you have for your end of the game, uh, or end of the year boss fight discussion we usually have? Um, it's hard to say, like, they're not nearly as memorable as like, say some of the bosses we faced off in, in armor core, like in tales of iron, like what about compared to like blasphemous and hollow Knight, though? Um, again, like the, the bosses aren't nearly as charismatic, but the actual fight itself, like I appreciate the routine. Like a lot of it is like that classic, almost like mega man experience of like, figuring out the pattern to it. And that part I actually really appreciate because Hollow Knight, like I love the boss fights. They were just like 25% too long in certain instances where it just became like, like you were exhausted by the end of them. And like, don't get me wrong. You felt like a badass when you finish them, but it's not the same sort of like, just feeling like it's like, okay, I mastered this boss. I'm ready to move on to the next part of the adventure. So like, I actually felt like Tales of Iron had a really solid, like, you felt like you got into the flow. You felt like once you got the pattern down and, but there was a challenge for sure in, in each of them. So I'll have to dig through it because uh, like I said, armor core kind of <laughs> really stands out to me in so many different ways for, for major boss fights. So it's going to be hard to kind of parse through all the titles I played through, but yeah, that one definitely um, was enjoyable in every boss instance, uh, even the frustrating ones. Um, last title I'll get to before we get into your boys who play more of the award-winning titles, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I believe uh, sequel has come out to more recently. Um, you know, I, I've been on record before, and you know, I'll say it again. I'm, I've lost almost all interest in Star Wars and the universe and everything like that. It's it's past. You know, my time with it is past. But every now and then, I like to poke my head in just to see what's going on. Um, you know. This is one of those titles that I can see why it did well. Um, it has moments that stand out. Like there were definitely the introductory level. Uh, certainly felt like they took some missed opportunities from some of the more recent movies and kind of like rehashed them into a more action-oriented uh, set piece, which was really, really cool. But then once you're actually launched into the main title experience, it, it's just kind of another AAA slog. Um, you know, in this sense, it, it's got a bit, they kind of went the master of none route where it's like a little elements of dark souls combat mixed with like uncharted kind of platforming mixed with, you know, honestly a bit of that Metroidvania in terms of the way the maps are designed, uh, map design to me was the high point of this title is I, I do appreciate where almost everything seems to like fit together. And typically if you find an area where you're stuck, you're going to come back out in it in a later period of time but by that same token um you know when you do that master and none route unfortunately you don't nothing stands out like the boss fights are kind of generic after a while the combat's kind of boring because it doesn't have that extra oomph when compared to like a from soft title that so much of the focal point is the combat you know the platforming part like is neat. Same with the puzzles. Like it's kind of cool using the force and all that to manipulate things. But again, because it's an action oriented title, 
they kind of have to like make it so you rush through it eventually and get you know move on to the next set piece so uh, again like there's things that i appreciate about it you know i'm still not done there but you know this feels like a solid seven for me so far um we'll see maybe there's a major conclusion that'll change my tune but I, i don't think so I'm actually really interested in uh, the new one, Survivor, because what I've heard is that the the game you're playing is it's kind of like what you're saying. It's good, but not great. And <clears throat> I've heard that they basically improved upon just every aspect of it for the Survivor and made it a lot more exciting. The combat's slicker. And so um, I, I'm glad you played this because I was like, should I play the first one before? And now, like, you've kind of convinced me that I'm just going to maybe read a, you know, synopsis of the plot and, and skip skip directly into Survivor when I can get it for $30 or under. Uh, very cool. Thanks for the rundown, Matt. Like I said, um, all three of the, these games are, are ones that I've been interested in. Um, Dave, you've been playing a game that's actually good. Uh, would, would, would you like to... Uh, Start us off on our official uh, Goaty nominees uh, for 2023. Well, you know, I want to talk about a good game, and it's the best game out there, and it's Monster Hunter World. No, no, no. And how I have been redoubling my efforts to, to, like, max out my levels on this game. But here's the aspect, like... You know, a thousand hunts in with like the light bow gun and the heavy bow gun and like 2,400 hunts with the hunting horn. I kind of felt myself being like, it's getting a little repetitive, you know, like I've got 1,400 hours into this game. Like, how am I going to infuse some life into this? And I did exactly what I thought, you know, I should do. And I created a new weapon. It's a great sword. So now I'm learning this whole new weapon that gives me like an opportunity to play this angle from a different game. Like today, I cut off two tails. Two tails. I've never been able to do that. And it's like so exhilarating. Like this monster's fighting, come down on this tail, and then it gets cut off. And then the monster like spurs forward and uh, in pain. And it comes around to come get you. But like the great part about it is that like since I have so much experience in these hunts with all these monsters that like playing this weapon is considered, you know, kind of one of the more difficult ones because it's all about positioning. It's all about reading the monsters attacks. And like, I have this well of experience that I've been drawing on and it's like made this game like, Oh, so much more exciting. So I wanted to share that. Matt, I just want you to know, I, I looked at Dave. I was thinking about sending Dave a party invite last night and I went on and, he was playing Iceborne. And so I very calculated today, directly try to sh- shoo him into Spider-Man 2 so that, that we could have avoided the last two minutes of our lives. But I could only do so much, buddy. I'm sorry. I was going to say, A, I can't believe you went through like almost three years of that working together and having to hear every little <laughs> update. As he was going through it the first time around. <laughs> and B, did he tell you that he slid a copy of this title into my work bag? Like the <laughs> other day? <laughs> That's awesome. It was like a month ago. Especially because it's free. 
Yeah, I literally, like, got home. Like, I refused to acknowledge it for almost a week. I was just, like, not going to give him the time of day and just pretending like I just didn't notice. And then the whole time, I'm like, he's just, like, looking at me with this big old grin knowing that he slipped that in. And I keep telling him, I'm like, this only applies if I get divorced. There's no way in hell I'm cracking this title open to play with you, Dave. And I told you it was a break glass in case of emergency type situation so matt you missed a real opportunity to to give it to the person dave hates most there and, and tell, them that, <laughs> tell them that it's one of dave's favorite games and just have him like walk up and be like hey look what matt gave me i should totally hand it off to some kid and be like a morton prot- <laughs> prostate find me <laughs> <laughs> a phone number yeah <laughs> gamer tag so, um, well, <laughs> you know, this this is my turn to share what I've been playing, and I've been playing that game. So, um, but the other game I played was Spider-Man 2, which is a Game of the Year nominee, and um, I, I think it has every right to be. I ended up getting a plat on it, but not because I was really felt like I was putting the effort in. Um, after you beat the game, you got an opportunity to still continue to play in that world. So it was a pretty easy cleanup, to be honest, on the plats. Nothing like the first game where some of the the challenges were a bit difficult. This one is like pretty easy plat. It's even easier in the first one, which is amazing. But um, I don't think that's what makes it game of the year. I think what makes it game of the year is the story structure I think uh, some of the elements that they've added, even though they haven't innovated on the formula too much, they've added some aspects to it that I think make it a better game. Like, um, you know, getting from point A to point B can go about many more different ways than it used to be. And it's a bit more engaging, uh, specifically with the wingsuits. And they've kind of tacked it, tactically put these wind tunnels throughout the city that you know you can kind of glide and some blend into other ones but a lot of them kind of require you to kind of hop around a little bit to the next one but um it added a level of uh, a bit more excitement to you know just swinging from point a to point b or you know just using the fast travel so that was a really cool aspect um I don't think it's going to win game of the year because I don't think it innovates too much, but I think it's a competitor because the things that it does, it does so much more better than it did in the first one. I was going to say, Dave, when you mentioned the plot, like that was always the thing that I've appreciated about not as much with Miles Morales, but definitely the first Spider-Man was, I felt like it was a joy to go through and clean up the parts to get the platinum in that one, just because, and even though it was kind of a pain in the ass, admittedly, but, but just because the structure of the way they mapped out that game made it feel like you saw almost every bit of it to where getting the platinum was really just a matter of like tidying up the areas. You may have missed something, uh, which to me is always like the mark of like solid, like mapping of your, your title. Like when it, it feels like it's not, it's just, cleanup duty to get the plat versus like having to go back and do some ridiculous challenge or 
hell replay the game in some instances um you know i really really appreciate when a title like makes it so you've pretty much experienced like almost everything in a solid playthrough as opposed to having to really really dig dig deep too much uh for this genre specifically yeah you know it's not like armor core you know where you have to beat it three times to get the true story so but i'll push back on that a little bit i i actually think the side stuff in the original Spider-Man game was really repetitive and there was, there was next to no narrative around it. Like you were doing like these environmental cleanup missions. You were, you know, fighting off a hundred different random gang fights. Like I'm back in, you know, GTA San Andres. I thought what, what made that enjoyable was just how good the gameplay itself was the traversal, the combat it was so it was so exciting and electric that i didn't mind doing all those really repetitive tasks because they were still fun now i guess my my question for dave um do you think the sequel does those side quests any better yeah i feel like uh they've cut down on some of the side quests and i feel that they kind of wanted to highlight a few of them um i was kind of talking to matt like there's a few side quests where if you don't do them, you don't get any insight into the next game that they're going to, you know, put out. And I thought that was There's really cool. Yeah. You know, like within the side stories, like you discover like probably like really strong candidates for villains in the next game. And there's like a super big name. I think that, you know, you can kind of guess that's coming up, especially off the heels of Spider-Man 2 and the main villain within that one, you know, so, you know, kind of begins with the C ends with the E, you know? So, I mean, and that's something that where if you ignored that storyline, which, you know, is a pretty long running side mission uh, throughout the acts, um, you, you're not going to kind of discover, you're always going to wonder if, you know, this, this character is going to be in the next game, especially after what they did with, you know, the main villain Venom in this game. So, um, I feel like they really kind of strengthen up the side story quest. There's one that uh, touches base with a character in the first game and it's a bit sad, you know, and I think they kind of handled it pretty well. You know, it's like definitely hits you in the emotes. So, and then, you know, there's it's kind of fair share of BS ones, you know, specifically Miles Morales has some side missions where you're like, okay, this feels like, you know, the old game, you know, they just kind of were like, I don't know if it's in their DNA to like set these side missions up or they're just like, Hey, you know, let's throw these back in because they're kind of easy to do and they burn some time. Who knows? But I, I think, I think they really wanted to kind of like uh, throw a little bit more weight onto the side stories. So not all of them are bad and, you know, quite a few of them are really good. So. I was just going to say, too, for the record, I, I've always thought the side quests were kind of bullshit for <laughs> Insomniac titles in general. Just more so what I mean is the map design itself to where if you're moving from point A to point B, you can take down like three of those on your way to the next objective. And I felt like the way the game is structured, at least in my playthrough in the first one and to a lesser extent with Miles Morales, it always felt like there was a new challenge ahead of you in that sense which i really appreciate rather than just going from a huge leap across the map to get to the next story mission it was like okay while i'm heading in that direction i can take care of this side quest this side quest this challenge you know so on and so forth 
So uh, is that still the case in this one where there's actually some thought to like the angle, the way you're approaching it, or if they completely open it up to where it's like, you can just go deal, you know, to your heart's content, just find whatever thing is on the map to take care of and, and explore to your heart's content. Uh, there's a few things that kind of jerk you back and forth, but for the most part, they kind of put you on a flow. Um, if that makes any sense, like specifically when you're introduced, like you kind of take control of Miles Morales for the first time in the game and they both share screen time. I don't, I don't want to say quite evenly, but you know, there's a lot of Miles Morales, like specific missions, so you can't switch back and forth, but um, once he comes in the picture, all of a sudden, like, Queens opens up, Bronx opens up. So, you know, then it's a matter of just kind of, like, following it. Now, is it directly always leading you into something? No, but they're grouped up pretty comfortably. You know, there's nothing that's, like, too dramatic. Um, there's a few of those missions where it's, like, go over here and take care of this group of bad guys in this this district, and you got to go do that shit, so... Um, but if you unlock it, like it's fast travel amongst districts. And I was telling Matt this, you can fast travel to a specific point on the map. Now it's not so much a generalized area. So you can put yourself right on top of your next objective, or you can put it right outside of it, you know? So I thought that that was something that was, uh, well, I've, I've never been introduced to a fast travel mechanic that kind of just lets you put yourself on any part of the map. Like, I'm talking about if you want to spawn right next to the Avengers Tower, you know where it's at. You can put yourself there, and that's pretty dope. You know, instead it used to be a subway, and then you got to kind of, like, swing your way over there. So um, I think that's really kind of harnessing the next generation of console power. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that, actually, because I was doing a little reading, and... Uh, one of the things that I found was really cool is I guess I was just assuming with all the hype around the tech in this game that they were using Unreal Engine 5. But I read today that um, they're using the Insomniac has their own game engine that, that they utilize for all their games. Um, but I keep hearing great things about just how this is the next this is the next thing. Is, is that something you experience throughout with the graphics, with the fluid movement? Or was it more just in like accessibility uh, kind of things like the fast travel thing you mentioned? Uh, I feel like it's still kind of in this small snowball size space. And I think as the years go by, that snowball is going to keep getting bigger. I think is what's being introduced now is like small highlight technology stuff. But uh, frankly, as far as the graphics go, my TV's still like, I think a 720. You know, so I can't attest that, you know, it's really kind of making a big difference, but um, it definitely looks, it looks like, you know, Spider-Man on the PS4 Slim where, where it's got a much more jacked up or the PS4 Pro, you know, so it's definitely got way more jacked up on the lighting. You know, it looks stronger than it did on the base PS4. Um, the swinging mechanics felt a lot cleaner, like noticing the way spider-man rotates and reacts to his web is like super interesting like you know um you'll notice some small things if you're really paying attention like the way his arms react depending on what part of the arc he's in or like where he is like if he's next to water sometimes he'll turn upside down to avoid getting his feet in the water and shoot a web up 
and you you'll really see the body animation in that and i think that's like one of those it, it's pretty big deal like it adds a lot more credibility to the character models but i still feel like that it's kind of like under the water if you're not really paying attention you're gonna not notice it but you'll notice that the overall experience is swinging all of a sudden just kind of looks a little bit more tighter it looks a little bit more dynamic so uh, that's something i noticed on it as far as like kind of next gen capabilities very Uh, cool yeah the intro is super dope um i had a lot of fun with it you know you kind of you're playing as both spider-man throughout this fight you know and you're fighting a a pretty big villain i'm talking about on scale as well so i mean i don't know if it's quite the helicopter scene from spider-man which is still kind of one of the more exciting like kind of events i've been through especially as far as like you know like a what's it called quick time events but um pretty damn exciting and you know like as you get deeper into chapter three you kind of get to experience some characters and their point of view through the game and it's something that i don't want to spoil you guys got to play but it's definitely a treat you know it's definitely like 30 minutes of like oh yeah this is fucking awesome so um yeah great game i don't know if it's gonna win but but it's not quite like you feel like you need to pick sand out of your crack after uh, fighting Sandman, huh? Yeah, no. Not that bad. We'll Definitely get better than watching Spider-Man 3, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> do you have a uh, rating for us, Dave? Yeah, uh, I'll put it at a, like 9.5. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Definitely like a game I'm glad to have played and experienced. Uh, but, you know definitely no monster hunter world so dave texted me nine seven like three days ago so was it nine seven aggregator strikes I, again i warned you guys i was gonna be in full effect today well it loses point two because of monster hunter you know he played yeah. it side by side and yeah. Yeah. well said matt well said uh well why dave was um playing uh PS5 exclusive game of the year nominee. I was doing the same on the Switch, actually. And Monster Hunter World. And Monster Hunter World. <laughs> um, on that note, I won't go into like a four minute rundown of what I've been, you know, the, my favorite weapon in the Talos Principle, but honestly, uh, that's basically what I've been doing for the last... November 2nd came, came and I beat the last main level Mario planning on doing like a bunch of cleanup Talos Principle 2 came up and uh, it never happened because I've basically been just on an absolute grind on Talos Principle since then. But I'm going to really like annoy the shit out of you guys next week with all my thoughts on that game that you really don't care about. It'll be my turn. <laughs> but um, no, uh, Super Mario Wonder. Um, this is a game that just came out to excellent reviews, but I don't think I would have bought it if... Um, you know what happened is uh, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie a few weeks ago, and it just brought me back. Super Mario Brothers, the original, was the first video game I ever played. 2D platforming. Outside of like Tech Mobile and Double Dragon, that was like the first two years of gaming I had, those three games. And I really haven't gotten into 2D Mario since Super Mario Brothers 3, like, 25 30 years ago maybe 20 i i don't know but um 
so when I when I watched Super Mario Brothers movie, I actually thought it was pretty good. I was like, I mean, it's, it's stupid, but like it really kind of brought those feelings and nostalgia back. And so, um, yeah, I scooped up Wonder, and um, I gotta say, it is incredibly creative. They are tossing mechanics and ideas at you so fast you can barely keep up. Um, every level has what they call a, a wonder seed, where when you when you get it, it basically transforms the physics, the background. Something really important happens to that level. Um, I think there's over forty of them in the game. Um, a couple examples. I can't I can't do it justice by explaining it. You have to see it, but like one of them turns the level into a musical where all of a sudden, you know, the plants are singing, the clouds are humming. Um, there's an ice world where you collect the wonder seed and all of a sudden you're in an avalanche and you're trying to stay on top of the avalanche. Um, I think they're really trying to like go into the whole Zelda Mario dynamic because one level you, you basically summon a dragon. So it's just all these really cool things that you're, you're going through what would be, a fairly creative game in its own right, but every level has something that just changes it. You know, all of a sudden air and water are transposed and you've got to deal with that dynamic. So um, really damn creative. And I'm not surprised at all. It is a um, game of the year nominee. It wouldn't have been my first pick because my reptile brain is always just screaming for consistent precision platforming in 2D. And this really kind of takes um, more of an exploratory um, kind of uh, a route. It, it wants you to like look at all the nooks and crannies, look for those hidden blocks, explore all these badges it gives you. The badges are like different abilities you um you can kind of um, swap onto your character to change the way you manipulate and interact with the world. And um, I just, you know, I just want some hardcore crap thrown at me. And um, therefore this wasn't, this wasn't the game that was like built for me, but the best experience I had with it was um, playing with um, my kids because I think this is probably why what pushed it to the level where it got the go the, the the nominee against so many other great games this year is that like I think there's a lot of reviewers who are probably like our age or maybe a little bit younger who have kids now. They grew up on these 2D platformers. And there's there's really not any 2D platformers that are like designed for kids now. But they add all these multiplayer um, functions in this game to make it so that you can go through these levels. Like you can be Yoshi and, and your kid can jump on your back. There's characters that can get hit and they won't die. Um, they make it. So all the difficult levels are basically side missions. You don't have to do them. You can pretty much go through the entire game without hitting any of the difficult levels. And so it just makes it really accessible to a younger generation that would really rather be playing Minecraft or Mario Kart. Um, but man, me and the kids sat down on the couch and we'd grab a wonder seed and something crazy would happen. And we'd all be like giggling together. And it was just kind of like a really cool moment. Um, well, I just, I want to interject how crazy this kind of thought is to me, because for me, super Mario brothers was like this phenomenal game, you know, like it's on a Nintendo, you know, you get to sit down in front of your TV and it's, I don't want to say the epitome of graphics, but yeah, it's like kind of pushing the edge. 
as far as like the stuff that it was doing. And, you know, the cool thing is like, you know, I grew up, you know, the people in my age range grow up, they have kids. That's you, Jack. And this is their experience with Mario Brothers, you know, like, uh, uh, I guess a 2D platforming Mario Brothers. And how many more extra bells and whistles and advancements and technology and game theory are there now than when we had it, you know, and kind of kind of makes like you wonder, like, are, are these kids like starting off? I don't want to sidetrack too far, but are these kids starting off at a point way ahead of the curve than we are on, you know, just kind of like thinking about stuff, experiencing stuff? Because, you know, for us, you know, it was like. You know, in the first game, it was like the fire flower, you know, that kind of grows you up, you turn white, you know, that's pretty cool. But now you're talking about multiplayer experiences where like someone can play as Yoshi and you guys can play the game together and all these different like physics changes and the way games interact with the character player. So um, I just want to share that. I think that's super cool and like kind of like a testament to how far game theory has changed in the last like four years as far as video games go. But I think that to your point, Dave, is kind of why the 2D platformer is getting left behind by this younger generation. I can get the girls into like Towerfall Ascension and Spider Hack, basically, you know, like uh, Smash Brothers clones, but um, I can't get them to play you know, Celeste, you know, that game isn't designed for them. It's designed for old fogies like me who grew up on really hard 2D platformers and who want to experience that, those feelings again. And so it was cool that I could kind of bring the kids into this. And yeah, they got to throw all the bells and whistles to do it. They got to have all these colorful, cute characters, you know, Princess Peach running around, um, you know, you turn into a big elephant, you know, that's one of the main powers of this game. Um, and I think, like I said, I think that's kind of what probably pushed this over the edge is that there's probably a lot of these, a lot of these reviewers who are sitting on their couches with their kids and who are like, holy cow, like this is what I was doing as a kid. And they look over and they see their kid doing it and it probably gives them a charge. Um, yeah. So, um, like I said, I just spoke really highly of uh, wonder and I stand by all my words, but my reptile brain gives this one an eight. Um, if you have a seven to nine year old at home, uh, I think this is like a, just a great experience waiting for you. I just, I just push the button. If you, if you kind of want to have them relive those glory days. Um, but we just talked about two of the six nominees. Um, any other thoughts before I kind of give a give a rundown of would you are you glad that I had you guys play Witcher 3 as opposed to Spider-Man 2 for the game of the year I mean outside of like the price range but you know like that was kind of like you know do I make him play Witcher 3 or do I make him play Spider-Man 2 if, you know which is probably going to come out so hindsight's 2020 I would say yes. Um, at, you know, last year we played through Miles Morales on your uh, choice. And Miles Morales, as much as I talk shit about it, it's still a very good game. It's just... Uh, that's, it's the same shit. Yeah, yeah, it's the same shit. And I already did the Platinum on the first Spider-Man. So uh, the Witcher 3 is a title that is so heralded that 
I'd be doing myself a disservice as a gamer to have not tried it. So an excuse to actually basically be forced to play it before it gets too old and too dated to where I won't appreciate any parts of it. I, I thought that was cool. So I, I was very happy to do something different, even though I, based on your you know description, Spider-Man 2 sounds like it made a ton of improvements from the Miles Morales iteration. But um, I also played a lot more RPGs growing up than Jack does. So <laughs> I'll say that. Well, I thought it was kind of funny because uh, I got sick this last week. So I basically just sat around doing a whole lot of nothing other than Talos Principle 2. Um, and one thing I did was I went back to our Games of the Generation pod uh, that we did like two years ago for our PS4 Generation pod. And um, it was pretty funny because both me and Matt, or I'm sorry, Dave, you brought up The Witcher 3 as as uh, one of your Games of the Generation. And me and Bat- Matt both expressed like our respect for the game, but both of us were like, yeah, we're never going to play that, you know? And then like I, I started laughing because Dave... Dave had the last laugh. He, <laughs> he made us play it this year. Uh, I have no regrets, Dave. I, I thought that was a really cool experience. Um, look, it was really long. I wish I wish it wasn't so long. But um, you know what? Now I get to say that I played that game and I'm part of you know the dialogue around it. And um, I really enjoyed my time with it. So um, I will play Spider-Man 2 regardless. I don't know if it'll be two weeks from now or two years from now. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. I would have played that game anyway. So I'm glad you made us do something that's a little bit of outside of our wheelhouse. And this way, whenever, you know, I, whatever whack-ass uh, indie title I make you guys play next year, I have full reign to, to, to crack the whip. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, as I was saying earlier, um, Game of the Year Awards released their nominees today. Um, Six nominees. We got Boulder's Gate 3, Tears of the Kingdom, Spider-Man 2, Alan Wake 2, Super Mario Wonder, and Resident Evil 4 Remake. Uh, A couple quick notes. I thought this gear was pretty cool because uh, we've played all but one of these. Alan Wake 2, which just came out a few weeks ago. So we're pretty well versed in what we, you know, our opinions, our thoughts. And they are definitely opinions because we're very subjective, you know. But um, I was going back to our selections from a few weeks ago, and uh, as part of my as part of my duty, I'm gonna. Uh, so all three of us chose uh, Zelda, Zelda, Boulder's Gate, and uh, Final Fantasy 16. Matt, you had Street Fighter 6, Starfield, and uh, Questionable Dead Space. So Matt, you got. Two, two of the, uh, <laughs> two correct. Dave, you had Resident Evil 4 and uh, you waffled between Super Mario Wonder and Dead Space along with Starfield Final Fantasy 16. So you got three and a half. And um, I only, I, I, Matt, I let you talk me to Street Fighter 6. And I really thought Final Fantasy 16 was going to make it. So I got four. I win. Suck it. Um, Look, uh, I was pretty surprised today when it came out and I saw that Final Fantasy 16 was not on there. I think it was pretty apparent that um, Starfield wasn't going to make it just based around the, you know, crit- uh, the criticism from the community regarding that. But 
I really thought Final Fantasy 16 was going to be either where Alan Wake 2 or Super Mario Wonder was. What do you guys think about the uh, the final nominees for the main category? Um, well, I'm shocked that I picked Starfield. I'll have to go through and uh, be re- remind myself how stupid I am because uh, I I really had a feeling it wasn't going to cut it. Um, but yeah, that's that's embarrassing to have that on record. Um, Alan Wake is the the one that jumps out to me as is the weird one of the bunch. All these other ones make total sense to me. Um, you know, I have a bit of a tinfoil hat theory on this, and and we'll get into it a bit later when we get into our predictions for um, who's going to win um, in regards to the Nintendo titles that were selected. But everything else on this list makes sense um, based on the hype, based on the pedigree. Um, Alan Wake 2, though, it's like, I haven't played through the first, you know, I'll preface it with saying that. It is one of those that I probably will, just especially in light of how well this is being received, and I did enjoy Control. Um, but yeah, that one really came out of nowhere for me, um, particularly because I felt like it's similar enough to some of these other titles. Um, I was really expecting that last selection to be a different genre one, like an Armored Core 6 or a Street Fighter 6, just to kind of mix it up versus, um, from my understanding, Alan Wake 2 being another kind of like action mystery slash, you know, kind of darker setting title. So uh, what do you think, Dave? Um, Yeah, I, I think Alan Wake 2 is just like a good acknowledgement that there's still like types of games that we don't play you know, and that we don't really expose ourselves to, which is fine. Um, but, you know, Resident Evil 4 is kind of a surprise when I popped this up. I love the game. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be game of the year. Frankly, I thought Final Fantasy 16 for some reason would, but it makes way more sense after playing Resident Evil 4 that this would like, you know, kind of put it over that. Um, not, too, not too surprised over the Nintendo, like, you know, collection spider-man 2 uh kind of had a feeling it would pop up there and you know couldn't really say i would confirm it but yeah um baldur's gate i'm not surprised and i still feel like it's gonna win game of the year uh i don't want to say i want to say i'm surprised starfield didn't make it on here just because it was a bethesda game and frankly i think if fallout 76 would have came out like hot and on top of its shit, like there's a good chance Starfield would have been on here, but I think it's kind of lost its clout. Yeah, I went on the, um, or I was directed to the Starfield Reddit uh, today, and the, I mean, this is this is the their Reddit page, and uh, the top eight most upvoted comments were all like, "You didn't deserve it, it was bullshit." <laughs> so not surprised that Starfield didn't make. <laughs> Um, it you know it is in uh best RPG. I'm not too surprised to see it there, along with Final Fantasy 16 and Baldur's Gate. So those three, I kind of anticipated that that would be in that category. Um, but man, you know, I'll be honest. Resident Evil 4 remake being on here kind of throws like I think a lot of things into chaos. Uh, the game is really really good. The game not only brings back a like beloved game from the past but it adds on to it and seemingly makes it better from you know what everyone has said in the community um 
I don't want to say it's going to win game of the year, but man, it definitely kind of like makes the run for it like pretty tough because, you know, I didn't play Tears of the Kingdom, but I mean, obviously it's probably the second contender. You got Baldur's Gate, which I still think is a lock-in, but I mean, this is just a wicked, there's four wicked games on here. I think it's, I think it's Zelda, Mario, Resident Evil, and Baldur's Gate. Like I haven't played Alan Wake 2, but I don't see Spider-Man beating out Baldur's Gate 3. Well, I'll tell you what I think is interesting is that um, two games tied for most nominations. Uh, one was Baldur's Gate 3. No surprise there. Alan Wake 2 was the other. Um, I have heard, I think I think that's a real critical darling. Everything I've read about it, it's just totally out of left field how zany and weird it is, which was kind of the dialogue around control, but I think they, I think they're even going further into kind of like existential, just weirdness with this one. Um, I'm really interested, and I, and I'm one of the few people out there who did not like Control. But everything I've read about Alan Wake Two just makes it sound just like an experience. Something I, I love just finding new things, you know. And this this looks like it's got a whole bunch of innovative ideas, and um, so I'm excited about that. Look, I did play Zelda. Um, it is the the most fun, uh, my favorite game that's come out this year. I think it's amazing, but there's been a fair amount of pushback just saying, you know, Breath of the Wild one a few years ago. There's a lot of similarities uh, between those two games, and I agree with that. There is. For me, there was um, some design choices in Zelda that I'll talk about at the end of the year during our game of the year of why I thought it, I thought, um, it is deserving of game of the year. But I also played... 15 hours of Boulder's Gate 3, a game that I have I have no interest in this genre. Everything about it is like built to be against what I like. And I couldn't help but just like respect and enjoy what I did experience. If that had been a 30-hour game, I would have played it. I just I wasn't signing up for another, you know, 80 hours of of turn-based uh, strategic combat and dialogue choices and trying to romance vampires. Uh, you know, if I want to do that i'll watch uh twilight but um um well re4 look all three of us thought that game was awesome i i think it's you know it's a remake but i think it's definitely deserving um matt you're the only one who has any experience i i know you didn't play the original but you at least uh saw a lot of it um but for me, it felt like a current generation game. It, from start to finish, I thought it was badass. Some of the best action scenes of the year I've had. And I played some great games. Um, so I'm glad it's there. I really don't... There's really like nothing on... like Nothing that got left off that I realistically think should have made it. There's some my favorite games. Um, but uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that when we get into like more of the side genres. Um any other thoughts? I was going to say, like, one question I had for you boys when we, now that this list is confirmed, like, when we look at, because at least to me, this is kind of where my final opinion on what's going to win Game of the Year comes from is, of these titles, which one do you think is actually going to have the biggest legacy down the road? Like, Similar to like we were mentioned, like Witcher 3, that's an older title that still to this day has legs versus many other games have come and gone that were 
fantastic experiences, but, you know, as we've kind of been alluding to these previous conversations, some games you kind of like, you know, you think back on and it's like, nah, maybe it wasn't as good as I remember it. Like, so like when I look at this list, it's, that's one thing that really strikes me is like, there were a lot of games that like really were a, a blast to go through, but then there's some I look at where it's like, this might actually have some really lasting importance uh, for the next five years of gaming too. I think it's going to be Baldur's Gate 3, and that is because of <clears throat> how well they constructed the, you know, the options paths, you know, and how different things can be depending if you picked up a simple small object or not. Um, just the fact that there is, like, such blowback from the rest of the community about as far as the reality of the situation that, you know, that developer, you know, a lot of them were like, oh, you know, most of us can't do that because our bosses put us in a situation where we have to crank out another Assassin's Creed in two or three years. <clears throat> and we can't really focus on, you know, providing that kind of experience where, like, making a decision five hours into the game can dramatically alter the 20th hour of the game. And I think that's something that Baldur's Gate 3 does you know, and frankly, that's kind of like one of the, you know, holy grails of gaming is like that immersion of holy crap, like I'm approaching this from a different angle on another playthrough and I'm getting a different experience. So like that just kind of puts you in the mindset of like how many more different things are out there, how many more different cutscenes are out there. Um, I almost you know pretty much was going to play the game without like a mage that you can pick up at the very beginning and how different that changed so many different experiences between some of the co-workers that have played that game so um i i think what um is happening with baldur's gate 3 is like maybe convincing you know the gaming industry that you know it's either a kind of like going against it and being the black sheep of the family or two, it's going to set a new standard that other developers are going to have to live up to if they want a game out that's going to get the kind of like conversation started that Baldur's Gate 3 has. Um, yeah. yeah I, I think that it, it it is like the next generational game, you know, and it's like the first it's not the first of its kind, but it's like the first on a very powerful machine with good graphics and, you know, kind of a big setting. So. No, I, I think that's a very fair assessment. Jack, I know you played some of these other titles, particularly the Nintendo ones. Do you think that any of those are going to carry more weight into future titles uh, based on their engines or. Well, uh, I think what you're asking is more so like what's going to hang around in people's minds. I think the uh, both Tears and Super Mario Wonder are really um, important in that I think like the way you traverse those worlds is going to influence their respective genres going forward and kind of push forward how we play games. But at the same time, they're very derivative in terms of actual like game. Um, how do I put it in terms of like their world, their setting, they're very derivative of what's come before. And therefore I think their lasting impression will be kind of um, 
Oh, you know, some of the sheen will kind of wear off. I mean, definitely you could say the same thing about Spider-Man 2 um, and Resident Evil 4. Uh, that's why I think Alan Wake 2 is really interesting. Uh, I haven't played it, but from what I've heard, that might be something really unique and different. And I got to say, um, there's a game that's not on here that I think is going to, people are going to be talking about 10 years from now in more of a niche kind, niche, niche kind of way. And that's Armored Core 6. I, you know, you talk, you, you look online about Armored Core 6 and that community loves that game. They're rabid about it. Um, we all loved it. I just don't think enough people played it because it got sandwiched between so many other good games that unlike in other years where, where people would gravitate towards something that's really good, but kind of not what they would normally play. Well, this year they had too many options, but the, the quality of that game and like, it just has a different feel than anything else I've played in a while. It doesn't feel like a souls game, but it's, you know, um, so yeah, I, I think I think a lot of these games. I mean, for, for sure, Tears of the Kingdom. I'm going to remember it for years, just for you know the the gameplay elements, um, the innovation. But um, you know, Dave's got the obvious answer. It's Boulder's Gate Three. I I mean, I think Dave's right. Uh, what I'll say is, from what I know about Alan Wake Two, I feel like that's kind of filling the void of the in quasi indie title that's risen to the level of prominence amongst these other triple a ones like you have to have kind of the hipster you know sort of title in there and the one thing i'll say is with that kind of leaning heavily into that wackiness and, and from my experience with the plot of control i will say that like i think that it is really saying something for it to get the nomination that they're trying to push that like hey you can do video games with a like really kind of out there plot that's like more akin to like an independent film versus always falling back onto a generic video game plot like you compare you know the plots of like some of the dog shit we've played through such as uh jack's neon white experience like and just like the amount of dialogue here amount of effort put into that versus like playing through a title that I imagine Alan Wake 2 is, which actually probably is very well thought out, very well voice acted, actual has, you know, depth to it and soul versus just... Oh my just... God. I don't know what you, what, what I did to offend you that you're, you're coming in guns blazing. You had to aggregate me and told me I only got two titles. <laughs> and you put it on record that I mentioned Starfield for some reason in this list, which is... Com- I don't know where the hell that came from. I must have been drunk, but um, no, uh, what I was going to say too, with the legacy piece though, like I didn't play through Spider-Man. There's a very good chance that Spider-Man may, you know, be one of those titles like that over time fades away. But I will say that like what you brought up, Jack, like the fact that Insomniac built that engine, that engine itself may actually carry on and become something much, much bigger. If it's, done completely removed from the mainstays like the unreals or whatever like that's going to be something that continues to evolve and actually could be a sight to see like as they continue to, to tweak it and get more familiar uh similar the one actually i think that may really impact things and and my original pick i believe for who i thought was going to win was tears of the kingdom and that was largely from what i understand with the way that game is programmed I actually think like a lot of the future games in the next few years are all going to be mimicking a lot of what that title did in terms of its puzzle making and, and just the overall manipulation of the world 
Like, I know that, like, a lot of people view it and kind of say it's like, look, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, which was a, a, you know, Hall of Fame title. So it's hard to really separate it. But, you know, everything I heard about how this game was programmed is that it's an absolute masterpiece. And and I really could see a lot of other studios looking to emulate that with their future uh, offerings. Well, I've only given one ten out this year, and uh, that was for Tears of the Kingdom because I I do think it's that good. It, it's fantastic. Well, let's move on. Let's let's tackle some other categories, not quite as extensively, but um, how about uh, uh, independent games? So um, I told you guys what the independent games were going to be about six weeks ago. I got one wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, and Sea of Stars. I uh, I, I nailed all those. I am actually uh, the the fifth one they nominated was Viewfinder, a game that I'm actually interested in. Uh, I love little indie puzzle games. I just didn't think this had the uh, positive reception that um, would kind of propel it to. I really thought it was going to be Pizza Tower, uh, maybe Lies of Pie, uh, Lies of P, excuse me. Um, but Viewfire, Viewfinder snuck in there. Um, of this, me and Dave have both played Dredge. Uh, Dave was pretty high on it. Me, not so much. Dave, do you want to have any thoughts? Um, me having been pretty ignorant of the whole independent games side of gaming, um, kind of picked this up because of like what the game is based on, which is like Lovecraftian horror. And that's something that I just really enjoy. And it kind of looked like a game that I figured I could sit down and relax to. And that's exactly what it was. Um, despite, you know, the kind of nature of the game to be horror based. I'm glad to see it up there. Frankly, I have no idea if it's going to win or if it even has a chance. Um, I think Jack would probably have a better chance at saying that. I, I, I still got my money on Sea of Stars. Um, Cocoon. I played Cocoon and I liked it quite a bit. I don't think it's quite good enough to win this category, but you never know with the game awards. They do kind of, they, they definitely gravitate towards like more of like games that are directed at a larger audience, which is just such a weird thing when you're talking about the, the indie uh, gaming scene, because these games, so many of them are specifically built to like really be amazing for some people, you know, and I think you lose a lot of that in, in, in these award shows where they're kind of just, you know, I mean, the reviewers have to play them, you know, there's so many games, there's so many indie titles out there that basically what you get is games like dredge where so many people played it. It's going to get nominated no matter what. Um, I thought one thing was funny is Dave, the diver today I found out is not actually an independent game and people are like, getting all worked up about it. I guess there's some like giant business that owns, that owns that studio. And just because it's like a pixelated game, they call it, a, they call it an indie game. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. I, I gotta say of, of all the independent games uh, I want to play pizza tower is the one I I'm most interested in. It's still only on, um, I believe it's still only on PC and, uh, it did get nominated for best debut indie game, so it did get a little love at the uh, at the awards, which is pretty cool. Um, are there any independent titles? That, <laughs> excuse me, that I haven't mentioned that you guys are interested in? 
Silence. Awkward Great. silence. Yeah. 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 You know, I got to say the triple A games this year have been so good, so creative, you know, that, um, the, you know, normally there's almost always one independent game. Matt, you were kind of alluding to this earlier. We're talking about Alan Wake too. It's usually always one that kind of sneaks into the, uh, the categories. And this year, one, there was no room. And two, I don't think it was as, as necessary because, these games were so creative and well-crafted and, and um, yeah. So, um, well, shoot, what do you guys want to talk about? You want to talk about narrative? Uh, where should we head next? How about, uh, let's do best uh, action game. Yeah. Um, I thought there were some pretty bad. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say bad because I haven't played them, but. I was very surprised to see Dead Island 2 hanging out here. I'll just say that. Uh, Ghost Runner 2. I haven't played it. I played the first, some of the first one. Pretty surprised by that one. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one because Hi-Fi Rush, a game that I thought was going to get snubbed uh, at the award show, got as many nominees, five, as Zelda did. So, um Hi-Fi Rush got a lot of love, and for good reason. That game is badass, but it came out back in, like, February or January or something. It's, you know, the makers of The Evil Within doing, like, this weird cell-shaded music rhythm action game. And, um, Dave, I know you couldn't get into it, but uh, I played it from start to finish. I thought it was badass. Um, One of the boss fights in there is definitely making my end-of-the-year list. And in a lot of years, it would make my top five. It, it, it will not this year. I mean, they have to kiss Bethesda's ring somewhere. So they, they didn't give them the Starfield nomination, so they have to get them somewhere. <laughs> but uh, this this category, to me, like, it, it's the other nominees are a joke. This is Armored Core 6 all the way. It, it would be absolutely inexcusable to give it to anybody else. I'm I'm going to go on a limb. I think Hi-Fi Rush has a dark horse chance of winning this one. I really do. Like, I would take I would take two to one odds. Damn. Yeah, I'm thinking Armor Core on this one. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think just because it's a From Software game, I think it's different enough from all the other IPs. It's a continuation of a long loved IP, even if it is kind of a smaller community. Um, but I think they kind of opened it up, made it a little bit more accessible to other people, gamers like us. Um, and then that game was, that game was so much fun. It really was. Like I was saying earlier, I think that's going to be a game that the people who really liked it are still going to think back, um, you know, however many months later and still be like, man, that game was badass. Um, I, I agree. I think that like they accomplished exactly what they wanted to achieve with it, which is re reviving a franchise in the States that was always kind of a, you know, a more, more of an indie darling thing. Um, and, you know, taking all the success of Elden Ring and, and putting all those eyes of people who probably would never have even considered playing a giant mech game like that. So um, I, I think it, you're right. It probably didn't do well enough to be in the game of the year nomination, but it probably did well enough to warrant a sequel. And if they clean up some of that multiplayer experience, like that could be a amazing, amazing franchise moving forward for sure. 
I saw a, a number posted, uh, I think about a month ago, and, and it was up to 2.8 million copies sold. So that's that's pretty solid for you know um, pre Elden Ring. I think those are pretty damn big numbers for uh, you know the first couple months of a of a game release for from Soft. I think I've seen postings too. I know that they're hiring uh, from Soft for Elden Ring too. Um, but they've also, some of the listings actually did mention like robotic kind of like more in that realm too. So it sounds like that they have plans for the future. That company is expanding, which, um, I mean, if, if they can keep putting out the quality of content while, you know, expanding, which is easier said than done. Oh man, I can't wait. They, they have just been lights out for me for years now. I'm so excited. Um, I got to bring up a really random one. I'm going to bring up audio design. There's two reasons I'm bringing up audio design. One, because Dead Space got one award. It was for audio design. One of the lamest, lamest nominees ever. Had had to bust your chops one more time, Matt. And two, um, on our uh, our podcast about Resident Evil 4 remake, I went on a tangent about how uh, how the uh, audio in uh, Resident Evil 4 was sub substandard to which Dave uh, pushed back and uh, Resident Evil 4 got nominated so uh, I, I had to give myself some shit too because clearly I don't know what I'm talking about which is typically the case one of the nice things that we're you know not beholden to any sponsors on this pod- podcast is that half the time we're talking out of our ass and it's not it's not true Um yeah, I just wanted to go over audio design. What's next, boys? No, no, I was going to say I, I'm glad you brought up audio design because I was going to introduce that specifically so I could throw Dead Space out there so I don't sound like a complete moron <laughs> for throwing out title doesn't get a single nomination. I want the record to show that the only reason I nominated Dead Space is because I consulted with a younger gentleman that we work with, Dave and I, who is an avid video game player and convinced me that that was the best title that was going to win it all. He seems like the type that would be, you know, has better ear for this stuff than I do being a 40 year old married guys. But, um, you know, apparently I was way off on that, you know, in hindsight's 2020. And I have to say that like, you're not going to get two remakes <laughs> vying for game of the year and uh, Resident Evil four has, you know, the big studio backing and also not as much of the weird controversy in terms of the developers and what have you. So, um, yeah, it, it, that was a silly nomination on my part. But I think they have a very good chance to be a winner or a contender in this category. Although Alan Wake 2 will probably take it. I used to be very well-rounded in my hobbies, you know, sports, you know, I'd go work out, uh, video games, TV, all this stuff. And 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 now it's pretty much <laughs> I'm just a big video game nerd. <laughs> it really... I really hit rock bottom the other day when I was listening to a podcast and they started talking about how their, their group of friends was playing video game, uh, fantasy, fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy football video game. And my first thought was, Ooh, that sounds like fun. And I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I've got real problems. <laughs> At least you didn't consider rock bottom listening to our podcast. So I mean... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good point, Matt. Uh, one that I've been like, I'm looking through the list, and there's some others I want to touch base on. Uh, but best adaptation, yeah. Uh, we talked about this 
Um, and I, the funny thing is, I think we mentioned pretty much all of these in one respect or another. I'll, I don't think we quite said Castlevania, but I said weird animated stuff on Netflix. He's <laughs> pretty close. Uh, but we got The Last of Us on here, you know, which I think uh, is going to take it as a home run. Yeah. Even though the Super Mario Brothers movie was pretty entertaining, I actually enjoyed myself watching that movie quite a bit. Um, Yeah, I I just think that the only, I think the only three competitors are Castlevania, which I haven't seen. I saw the first one, um, but I'm not a weeboo as much as some other people nowadays. Uh, Mario Brothers movie, excellent, but man, The Last of Us, I don't think there's any competition. It's going to be The Last of Us. I'll be, you know, shocked if it's not. I'm still curious um, about that Gran Turismo movie. I don't know. I haven't heard much about it, but Matt, you were talking about it um, a few weeks back, and it sounds intriguing. I was going to say, like, honestly, like, they took something and, and made it way more complex than they had to. Like, so in that sense, I think it's smart. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton does warrant having a movie made about him so you know and you know it does tie into how he built his legacy so i thought it was pretty neat um i haven't heard many great things about her it's pretty mediocre movie but you know any other year i think it would actually have a chance uh just to support that innovative approach to making a video game movie but i mean to not give this to last of us would be absolute criminal uh yeah, I gotta watch that movie. This guy at the corner store has asked me four or five times now if I've seen the movies. He's increasingly getting a little bit more aggressive about it, you know? Like, today he was like, <laughs> did you see the movie yet? And I was like, nah, man. He's like, dude, it's it's based off of a kid who played Gran Turismo and he got so good at the game. And then, you know, I want to be like, yeah, I know, but, you know, it's not out for free yet. So... But I'm just kind of wondering if I end up disappearing. It could be because this guy murdered me for not watching the movie <laughs> yet. So I, re- I really hope Last of Us wins <laughs> on that note. We got to teach you how to lie, Dave. <laughs> He's just going to be like, yep, it's pretty good. I have really like the part where he won the race at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> read the plot online. It's a racing movie. He either wins or he crashes. And seeing as how the guy's a knight for winning so many races, there's a good chance he won. So, Good point. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> but anyways. Um, cool. Uh, moving on. How about, about uh... content creator of the year? <laughs> Just, <laughs> psych. All right. All right. I haven't hit rock bottom yet. All right. <laughs> Um, um narrative um you know uh, no no surprises here i don't think we got boulders gate spider-man 2 alan wake 2 final fantasy 16 uh all games we talked about um cyberpunk getting thrown in there kind of interesting Boom. Um, the only thing i'll say is you know on our initial like feel for ac6 we all kind of dogged on its narrative because it's 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 really off-putting when you first jump into that game. Now that I'm three, three playthroughs through and seen the true ending, uh, I've got a badass top 10 for this year of uh, video games. Like a ton of really good stuff has come out. I haven't played it all, but I've, I've played, like I said, I've got 10 games on this list that 
are really cool. And AC six outside of AC six is my, is my favorite narrative that I've played this year, um, which I think is really damn cool considering how turned off by it we were at first and how it's not nominated in this category. I get why it's, it's not traditional. You have to play at least two playthroughs to really begin to appreciate it. Um, but I did want to mention it just because how much I enjoyed uh, everything that ended up occurring in AC six and all the characters and, and the unorthodox way in which they told that tale to just completely turn around all my expectations uh, from negatives to positives. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I feel like if they didn't make it to where you had to replay it multiple times, I, I think it would probably be on this list. I think that's the part that threw people off, especially for from soft games, having such a reputation as being so difficult and, you know, quite frankly, that, that title, the first playthrough, is not easy, I'll say. It's not as hard as maybe some other titles I've played, but definitely that first go-around was, was you know, difficult. And so I think uh, that really, I think, hurt it in this category. But I'm sorry, Dave, You were what was your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts was From Software is never going to win a Best Narrative Story, even if they do pump out a really cohesive story they're never going to win it because so much of it is piecemealed in between the kind of stuff that a lot of gamers tend to skip over you know the auto audio files um there's a lot of connected dots kind of shit and then you know frankly i never got the third ending but from what i understand you know you're kind of you're kind of led to believe that if you go about it one way you're the bad guy you go about it one way, you're the good guy. And then the third ending kind of solidifies that, you know, there's no real winning scenario in this whole story. And, you know, that's what I thought was so appealing to it was like, wow, okay. You know, it's not a good, it's not a good ending for anyone, you know, and this one side loses, the other side wins, you know, but everyone seems to lose if one side wins. So, I mean, which one? So it is a little disappointing to see that it's not on here, but, uh, yeah, I just voted for Baldur's Gate three. So, <laughs> <laughs> just as I um, said, AC six earlier, it's, it's not a Souls game. It's it's all. Also, not like the traditional narrative. It's I just think it's through that initial weirdness. It's a lot more straightforward. The characters are a lot more you know human, um, and. I don't know. I well, but, anyway, but we don't need to get well, more than that. We we did a whole yeah, pod on but it. But from so- it's still a from software like story delivery device, you know, which is like small bits of you know kind of vague narrative that you'll only pick up if you got some like kind of like you know photographic memory. Frankly, you know, so I don't know. That's my opinion. Frankly, I probably would have never got like on a really cohesive path to an ending in Elden's Ring three or Elden Ring, sorry, um without a guide because I ended up doing the Rani quest because it was kind of the more focus for intellectual build. And frankly, like I kinda would have had no clue to go do some shit, you know, if it wasn't okay, now you got to go here, defeat this boss, and then you can go get this object to continue on story. So, Dave, strictly speaking, narrative. Uh, Spider-Man 2 or Final Fantasy 16 for you? No no gameplay, just what story? Spider-Man 2. Oh, Spider-Man okay. 2, dude. Like, it, it brings to life a 
probably the Spider-Man villain, you know, and, you know, kind of really, like, puts it up in full effect. And like I said, like, you guys should play this game because, like I said, there's a 30-minute window where it's just gratuitous, like, oh, yeah, here here's the keys to the M1 Abrams tank. Go have I mean, some fun, you know, like. Dave, Topher Grace already did Venom so good, though. Like, how do you top that? <laughs> You know, Jack, some barriers are, you know, some plateaus are meant to be scaled and new plateaus to be upheld. And uh, the cool thing is the Venom Venom voice is the guy who played Candyman, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So does a really good job on that. Cool. But yeah, Final Fantasy 16 narrative is um, it's not bad. I think it's just weighed down by a bunch of side story bullshit that really kind of hurts it. Um, the last topic I thought we'd leave off with is most anticipated. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to hit before we uh, go into that? Uh, best RPG I thought would be kind of interesting for Matt and I. Yeah, I thought I mean, that initially, but then at the same time, it's anything with Baldur's Gate 3 in it. And our, I, I think like it's... They just can't compete. Like I, I mean, I I see. I think actually, in many, what is more interesting to me is like what would be the kind of the tier ranking below Baldur's Gate three here. Like, do you think that Sea of Stars will outdo Final Fantasy sixteen, or for that matter, will Lies of P actually reach up there? I mean, just the idea behind that one alone, I thought was super cool. Um, yeah, I, it's Pinocchio. Which I yeah. found out. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really creative that they took like a very old, you know, concept and really kind of turned it into a Soulsborne game. So Um Starfield I I can't speak to. I mean, obviously I must have thought highly of it but in our previous recording because the aggregators got me me pegged here. <laughs> but uh but there's I, I just don't see it, um, especially against Baldur's Gate three. Um, I like I said, I, based on what Jack's mentioned, I think Sea of Stars is the the secret darling here that isn't going to win the category, but actually might um, be ranked higher than the other ones, um, just based on what I've heard. And then also best performance. Uh, this is something I touted about Final Fantasy 16 was that uh, the actor for the main character in Final Fantasy 16 should be nominated. And here he is. You know, he's actually like the first one I'm looking at. Uh, Idris Elba being on there kind of hurts, but I I still think even with uh, the Spider-Man 2 actor being on here that, dude, this guy knocked the character out of the stars and was probably one of the big reasons why I kept playing that game. Um, Why did Idris Elba hurt? You, You haven't played the DLC with his character, right? Cyberpunk 2077? No, but it is Idris Elba, uh, I gotta give him like he's probably gonna act as. I was gonna say comparing an A-list actor to oh you know, the the competition you're saying is fierce. Yeah, uh, with him being on the board, okay. I mean, I I, I, I don't know how I you're angry about it. Guys, like no, it. <laughs> no, I I just was kind of I don't want to say I was surprised, but um, you know, I I feel like if anyone kind of hurts Ben Starr's chances, it would be him. And considering that game has had like a resurgence, I think it's it's a big kind of race between. I think 
someone that just took a shitty kind of script, made it excellent, added a lot of depth to a character versus someone that kind of got handed almost a gimme, you know, and Idris Elba playing a, a character in Cyberpunk 2077. Like I heard he was going to be on there and I was like, wow, you know, they they landed another major star for this game and included the old one. So, you know, they're doubling down on the, the fucking it factor. I guess I was going to say. say, like, that one made total sense. Like, you know, just from a cast <laughs> standpoint, it's like when they added Jean-Claude Van Damme to the Expendables. Like, it was like it had to happen because, you know, it just works too well. Uh, Cameron Monaghan uh, from the Star Wars game, like I said, playing through... Uh, the first one currently um, underrated actor. Um, one of the actually has like, I think the right level of ability in where it's kind of an understated performance, um, which I think lends itself really well. I haven't played survivor, but I can really actually see uh, him, you know, kind of maybe stealing this category uh, just based on his range that I've seen in, in a few shows that I've seen him on and, play through the first game so dave if i picked up survivor would you uh would you play it as well uh i'd probably play alan wake 2 over that but yeah i'd play it i'd check it out yeah it's not the question no no um yeah i would check it out i'd rather you bought alan wake 2 though to be (laughs) <laughs> honest but that's just my opinion i think i'm more interested in alan wake too but i think survivor will go on sale sooner <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense um i know we talked best action but act best action adventure seems to be its own thing um it's stacked zelda resident evil 4 star wars survivor spider-man 2 and alan wake 2 um I voted for Resident Evil 4. Yeah, I think 4. I mean, it's not fair to say 4 because I haven't played like 3 of the other 5 games on this, but um, yeah, goddamn, Resident Evil 4 is such a good game. I I mean, I think Tears is going to win this. I think they have to give it to Tears because they're going to most likely give Game of the Year to Boulder's Gate, so that this will be like the consolation or the game that everybody loved back when it came out and then <laughs> everybody turned on it. Uh, I agree. Resident Evil 4 was awesome. You obviously love Super, uh, or I'm sorry, Spider-Man 2. Um, what I think is, I mean, I think that Star Wars game just sounds so cool. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100%, Jack. This is tears. There's their consolation prize. I mean, they're not going to win game of the year. Again, I think the legacy of the game may actually be more important than the titles that do win it. But um, yeah, you got to give them, throw them a bone somewhere. And the fact that this is removed too, to also do the same with Armored Core for the action game. um, I think those are the two kind of consolation prizes there. Um, So we can't skip over it because you did allude to it, Jack, but most anticipated game. I mean, obviously... You know, Dave has his thoughts on Hades too. He seems to be the only one of the three of us that's super hyped on that game. And I'm kind of caught in an awkward position to where, you know, I feel obligated to play anything Supergiant brings out. But I'm just really not that excited about Hades 2. 
I heard the new Like a Dragon, uh, which is another of the Yakuza games, actually takes place in Hawaii. So hmm. uh, now I'm Infinite like, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know enough about that series. It, it's again, it, it's a weird series to begin with, and that's in that realm where it goes more the RPG route. So um, that alone, like by default, I'm obligated to choose that as my selection, even though I probably won't play it until it comes out free in five years. But uh, what about you boys? Uh, any of these on this list jumping out to you for most anticipated? I'm curious about Star Wars Outlaws. I think it's like supposed to be like a big <clears throat> open world Star Wars game, which, you know, who knows? Yeah, I voted Hades 2 on, on this one. Um, I've always wanted to play a Yakuza game. Uh, like a Dragon seems to be kind of the one that I would favor the most. So I think it's pretty cool that they have another, you know, I guess a sequel coming out. But yeah, I mean, Tekken, I haven't played since Tekken 2 or 3. Uh, Star Wars Outlaws, I'm kind of on the same boat with Matt. I'm getting a little Star Wars out. Um, kind of feeling like Disney is just overrun mostly everything nowadays. I hear Final Fantasy. All the best Star Wars stuff just came out. Like uh, Ender, Andor, I don't know. the. Andor is old now. Dude, Ahsoka. that show is amazing. Ahsoka it's already great. came out, so. <laughs> this old. Season 2 hasn't even come out yet. Ahsoka, uh, you know, I'm slowly working my way through that. It's all right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Hades 2, I'm fucking stoked. Especially if it's the same quality as the first game, so. Well, two years running, I'm just going to say. Where's where's Silk Song? Where is it? <laughs> All right, here here's one for you, Jack, because I, I know you love gambling on dumb shit. Uh, which one's coming out first, Grand Theft Auto 6 or Silk oh, Song? Jesus. <laughs> I'm still holding out hope for Silk Song. I thought with, you know, you know my my Matt, you always talk about tin tin hat uh theories. My tin hat theory was when uh was when um oh geez what's the game engine that uh released their crazy new stipulations for their contracts oh yeah 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 i i can't recall oh uh, unity unity yeah yeah, yeah unity so silk songs built on unity and basically <laughs> what unity did is they basically they said like after i i, I can't remember the number whatever number it is like hundred thousand copies or whatever you have to start paying money for every download of it and so I was really hoping like the, the Silk Song guys would be like, oh shit, we got to put this game out even if it's not ready. And so we'd see like a, like a December 1st, December 2nd release just so they could get out those get out those initial sales so they wouldn't go towards the total of uh, before they hit. So so that was my tin hat. But we but you know what? It's, it's midway through November and I haven't heard anything. So I'm starting to once again give up hope. Because you know there's a very distinct chance that the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer is aired at this game awards right okay do you th- i i don't think it's coming out in 2024 i don't know man i i feel like I, it's one of those things that they've been sitting on it for so long they just didn't make it you know they did a good job of keeping it under wraps like you know i think that's why it was a big deal when those leaks came out <laughs> but I, I i wouldn't be shocked if that game's a lot further along than people believe um Especially because, I mean, think about, I mean, we've gone through how many systems since Grand Theft Auto V came out and it's still being played. So well, that's my question. Do you think uh, do you think Grand Theft Auto 6 will be on the last gen? 
PS4 and Xbox? Uh... No, no. no. I, I think too much of it relies on uh, being online, and I think that it's impossible to to make it accessible to the older gen and uh, keep the online experience um, solid. I agree. I do agree. I do think Rockstar is like the one company that A, has a large enough team and B, has the large enough balls to just make actual two different like versions of it, Um, which I don't think we've seen really anybody do yet. I could be wrong. But um, if anybody was going to do it, I could see Rockstar just being like, eh, we just made like a shoddier version for the old system so we can sell another 10 million copies. I think I agree with your opinion. Um, I, I don't think they're going to bother. I think what they'll do is they'll no, probably probably just not. pump up five and make it, you know, hey, if you're still playing this, you know, like, here's a bunch of free shit. And knowing how long they milked five, I mean, the plan would probably be make it for the best generation of system because you're probably going to be, <laughs> they're not going to make another <laughs> one for at least five, six years. So more likely 10. So. Um, so I, I, I do agree. That's just my tin hat. Like it could happen. Um, yeah, I'm guessing like a quarter four release for it. Yeah, I, I they're going to announce it for like uh, like somewhere in the middle of the year, and then they're going to have to like hold back to polish it up and shit like that, and then then they'll release it. As far as like console sharing, I'm kind of wondering if they learned from cdprs you know kind of like fumble with that um but the thing is like cdpr kind of like really advertised that it was going to be a ps4 kind of game but they were like oh shit we're at that precipice which side did we pick they went with more of the modern console so i i think there's a lot more emphasis to start diving into the ps5 and what it's really capable of as opposed to like trying to drag players to the ps5 it's pretty established that PS5 sold a shit ton of units. Now it's time to cement it as next generation. So I, I see it. I see it as being an exclusive. You know, I think it might be the like best selling game of all time, or it's definitely in the top three. GTA uh, GTA Five. Yeah. Oh God! Talk about probably the greatest cash cow game ever made. Like yeah, because then all the online transactions. Yeah, man. There's a reason why Red Dead Redemption Two is online. Like just died. And it was because no one was pumping the same kind of money into it. A brand new IP, you know, with a multiplayer online section, still getting dwarfed by a PS3 game. So couldn't have had anything to do with nobody wants to ride around on horses with their friends. They didn't have <laughs> bank robberies, man. I'm telling you, they played uh, a lot harder. Dude. Horse cars or horse riding? Uh, yeah. Uh, Dave, I'll go. Uh, I'll go quarter two, 2025. Quarter two. That's my that's my prediction. Seems like the trend is they got to polish shit up, you know, before they release it. So I I don't think they're in any hurry because they're still making bank off five. So it's not like other other studios where they're like in a rush to put out, you know. Well, I think that's why they want to do it later in the year. It's like that's when console sales probably spike is closer to Christmas. Used to be. You know, yeah, it used to be, but there's still a good chance because PS5s are becoming a lot more easier to find. And then, um, especially with what the PS5 Slim coming out soon, you know, so. Yeah, um, I I agree. I also think, too, that um, they could do 
something similar to what they did with Red Dead Redemption 2, where they could actually release the game without the online play ready just yet and kind of milk the campaign because it's going to have such a huge rush influx of people that way. And then you can just continue to put bide your time with, you know, releasing that. And I could really see that like blowing up. Matt, no way in hell. Day one, they're going to have online ready to roll and they're going to have those, those, uh, here we call them whatever dollar, whatever currency they use. They're going to be, they're going to be ready for everybody to buy. They want to jump on that hype train, have everybody ready to buy their F-17s to cruise over the world and blow blow all the poor people up. Dude, this could be F-35s now. We're talking GTA 6. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. Regardless, it'll still be out before Silk Song. So, yeah. I mean, if anything, I'm excited about what kind of potential story it's going to be. Um, I've really only played what? GTA 5 all the way through and Red Dead Redemption 2 all the way through and both of those games like are just so much fun to sit down because they're so fucking obnoxious and like over the top about stuff you know and they have a really good sense of grandiose scale so I don't know um I just wonder if there's gonna be another torture scene in there because that shit (laughs) that shit was so effed up I was like oh my god yeah, they'll do something. They'll do something to push the button, but I think it'll, I think they'll zag. All right. Well, uh, this has been Couch Co-op, a video game pod. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully, we'll catch you in a couple weeks. I just did my part. I logged in and then actually voted for as much Baldur's Gate 3 shit as I felt like I really could get away with. I, <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have the same problem in local elections. <laughs> Can't affect change if you don't vote. So far, it's still right. I'm not going to say if it's going to continue to be, but I'm going to continue. Kids, don't be like me. Get out and vote. Yeah. <laughs> No, just be like us. Just make a podcast and complain about everything. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't vote. By the way, this is bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting here. Alan Wake 2 is bullshit. Yeah. I haven't even played Alan Wake 1, let alone Alan Wake 2, but Armored Core 6 is clearly superior. (laughs)